Hello, you're listening to Wine Blast. I'm Susie, he's Peter. We're both masters of wine and we'd like you to join us on a little adventure. <laughs> That's a bit dodgy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was the way it came out. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not dodgy. Totally legit. Lots of fun. So this is our big English wine adventure, uh, which we launched five years ago, I think. Mm. Yeah? Uh, it's a bit crazy, a bit scary for us, but uh, to summarise, we're making three delicious English wines. We're releasing later this year. All profits are going to charity and we need your help. Yeah, we need you to suggest an inspired name for our wines and also a charity for us to support. If we go with your suggestion, you could win a very fine boxed set of all three wines worth around £100, which are, of course, set to be collector's items. Yeah, and that's not to pat ourselves on the back either because the real credit for this must go to, you know, a couple of brilliant UK wine growers and winemakers uh, and, of course, England itself for being able to produce amazing Indeed. Now, we will explain uh, more about all of this in a bit, including how you can get involved, help us out, hopefully win yourself some of these very special wines, or at the very least, get on the waiting list to buy the wines. They're they're going to be very small productions, so when they go on sale later this year, there won't be many bottles to go around. No, no. We're going to want a few. Yeah, yeah. There's there's going to be more info in the the show notes, by the way. Um, And we do have a deadline on this as well. Do we? 2nd of May for this this competition, for nominations. But we'll come on to all that. Yeah, yeah, because... before we start, we did want to mention a couple of other things, didn't we? Yeah, uh, including yeah. another giveaway. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So so in our last but one episode, I think it was, on sommeliers, uh, we ran a giveaway courtesy of Blinders, the blind tasting card game from SomTV. Um, we just wanted to say thank you to everyone who entered. Um, another fun competition. And congratulations to our, our three, um, well, actually, I think four. I think it was four, uh, yeah, sort of. Well, technically four. Uh, <laughs> lovely winners. Um, we advertised three. We have four. It's great. You know, always over-delivering. Um, to, to, <laughs> to, to Sarah or Sarah, uh, to the Winking Winos, who are, who are sommeliers. So from, are two. From Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, hi, guys. And podcasters. Hi, guys. Uh, and Shenaz as well. So thank you. Well done to you guys. We hope you enjoy the cards and the game. Uh, send us in some photos of you having fun with the mm. cards. We've already had one from the Winking Winos, which is lovely. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, great. A few more, a few thank more. You, uh, and for those of you who didn't win... Um, why not get involved in this episode's giveaway? And maybe you could be the winner this time around. Um, and I talk, talking winning, wasn't there um, another slightly more kind of ad hoc invitational? Uh, you were you were ringleading recently, weren't you? <laughs> Come on, it sounds like a golf tournament. Spill the beans. <laughs> Which I don't do, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 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 my friend Mark, my lovely friend Mark, who runs uh, Lupton Wines here in the UK, knows. I think it's fair to say my enthusiasm for wine is almost matched by my enthusiasm for the Simpsons not quite TV show not quite and I think it's quite, I think it's close it's neck and neck isn't it well yeah anyway um, and he clearly <laughs> you spend Mark, as much time on both of them <laughs> Clark, Mark has eagle eyes because he sent me uh, a still photo from an episode uh, he'd seen in which uh, Mo Sislak, the, the famously grumpy bartender in The Simpsons, uh, has a couple of inspired bottles on his back bar, including, and this is what caught Mark's eye, La Mondot, which as you know, you know, it's pretty mm. highfalutin Santa Million Grand Crew. Uh, they and know also, their stuff for The Simpsons, don't they? And also, yeah, well, they do. Uh, and also uh, a bottle of Mo et Chandon, oh. which is just brilliant. And, Mo. You know, that's, that's Mo. A still, it would, that would flash most people people buy but Mark saw this picked up on it sent yeah. me the photo anyway um, you know Moet Chandon it's obviously tying in with Mo's name uh, and The Simpsons as you say is famous for this kind of in, sort of in joke the kind of highbrow in joke but I thought it'd be fun to then ask put this photo on social media and ask people for name wine name suggestions to tie in with The Simpsons characters um, and my opening gambit was Ro Mo Conti <laughs> 
<laughs> much higher than that. Is now that I've got a feeling. You? I'm going to say something. Now. I've got a feeling you? you might need to explain. If you're going to go through these, you're going to need to explain in pretty okay. basic terms to me and many of our listeners who yeah. might not quite yep, share no, your particular enough. infatuation with the yeah, Simpsons. Okay, so, you know, so what I'll, this is all about. And I'll, I'll try and what these names as, mean as more as I can. I'm sorry for those people who don't like puns or who don't like the Simpsons. I'll be brief, but for those people who do. Um, we've got a. Um, I'm going to start with names on on Mo. So we've got Sam Mosef from Charlie Conrath. Brilliant. Simpsons Pinot. San Mose- oh, Sam Mosef. Yes, yeah, yes, got uh, it. Simpsons Pinot Monier. Oh, got from it. From Mark Capra. Brilliant. Moselle Riesling by Andrew Stevenson. That that's flat simple, flows. simple but effective. But of course, Amoroni from Hannah. Uh, Molin Avant from Juan Jose Ledesma. Uh, Maubrion, Quinta de Moval, and Mojolet from Charles Taverner. Excellent. Chateau Mozart. That was a, that was a, that was a favourite from Leon uh, Markham. And then finally, Guy Smith said, um, "It's not wine, but he, he'd love a mojito." <laughs> I love that one. Um, I think that's uh, my favourite. There's other, the other other ones involving other Simpsons characters or hybrids. Um, Bart Simpson's a character, so uh, Alfonso, Ollie, Gadney, and Ed Jolliffe suggested uh, Chateau Mozart Bart on. Good. Uh, Tracy genius, Saunders went genius. one better. He included Lisa Simpson, one of my favourite characters, and, and that hers was Mo Skidae sur Lisa. Oh, I thought that was brilliant. Um, oh, then we had Dan Lane's like sideshow like side Bob Mondarby. Just going to leave that one there. Uh, I definitely don't get that one. No. Monty Burns is another character, and Mimi Avery suggested Burns Castell. Uh, and then uh, Marge Simpson and Smithers are two characters, and Ben suggested one of my favourites, which was Bon Marge. <laughs> I do like that. One. And also Chateau Smithers, <laughs> oh Lafitte, which I just oh, it's, it's I don't know, small oh, things make me. Happy I know, I know. But anyway, these just, little things, the ultimate yeah, winners. The ultimate as, winners. As long as it keeps you and your little Simpsons loving friends busy and happy. Wait, it's, it's not. I haven't worth said that with me and my little Simpsons friends the, oh. the winners, which oh. was homage à Jacques Perrin, the famous wine by Chateau Beaucastel, in the hands of James Hubbard, became home homage à Jacques Perrin. I thought that was very Is that winner? Is that your top one? And Jack's also a character in The Simpsons, so that was a hat trick. But the ultimate winner, uh, okay. my ultimate favourite, was came from Christo. And there is a character called Apu in, in The Simpsons too. And instead of Hermitage from Maison Chapoutier, which we all know and love, uh, Christo suggested Homitage from Maison Chapoutier, <laughs> which <laughs> is the winner. Because that is three bona fide characters of the Simpsons in one wine name. Fair enough, fair enough. But no prize uh, this time, I'm afraid. Uh, Just just the kudos of having your suggestion read out on Wine Blast. Well, I don't know. I think, for me, Christo is destined for a full cameo on the Simpsons now. Maybe, you know, as a sommelier, (laughs) I can see. Then a Hollywood career. You know, I can see Christo a couple of years filling Brad Pitt's glass on the next heist movie. Uh, Right, right. Clooney, Christo. From from Brad Pitt's wine glass... To Essex Pinot Noir. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, I think okay. Maybe we should have gone via Angelina Jolie, Jolie's White Stilettos. Anyway, let's get on with the episode. Um, and I think it would be a good. It would be good to start with just a brief recap, uh, an explanation mm. to set the scene, and probably, well, you know, just try to clarify everything. Yeah, okay. What, what yeah. we're talking right, about so, here. So, what is this big English wine? After adventure? all this crazy Simpsons and, nonsense. And uh, let's move on. I'm just trying to shake myself down from the Simpsons. But, you know. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. So, also, but before we just start, we, just yeah. to say, we are going to be 
chatting briefly to uh, the brilliant winemakers Emma Rice of Hattingley Valley in Hampshire and Liam Ijikowski of Danbury Ridge in Essex, which everyone seems to be talking about right now, don't they? Don't they just? <laughs> uh, and with good reason, uh, hmm. which we'll come on to. Yeah. Um, so but, come on. but to start at the beginning, summarize, let's, summarize. let's summarise this. So five years ago, 2016, it was the year of Brexit, uh, the Brazil Olympics, Andy Murray winning Wimbledon mm. uh, and the warmest year ever up to that point, which is important. Mm. Yeah. And I think we must have got overexcited or overheated because um, because we decided <laughs> to do something totally different and make an English wine for charity. Yeah, so I think we it's fair to say, we, 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 being honest, we kind of wanted to do a TV project, hadn't we? And, and, and nothing was happening uh, in the wonderful world of TV commissioning. So we, we <laughs> as, thought, you know, as is the way. just sod it. Let's, let's, let's do it anyway. Um, and feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, and, and have and and the fun as well. You know, I, I think the English wine scene was becoming at that point really, really exciting. So we wanted to use the project as a way of kind of highlighting the the great work that was going on and the great wines being made um, in a sort of fun and, and and quite sort of collaborative project. I think. Yeah, and that I think that collaborative to... spirit was mm. completely vital to this because mm. um, because first up we knew we we needed we'd need a, a winery partner to make it happen. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we, foolish enough. <laughs> we certainly weren't <laughs> going to do it all by ourselves. But we also wanted to raise money for a good cause. We wanted to work with a, a local artist for the yeah. label design, mm. and I think we just wanted as many people as possible to be able to, to join in yeah, on this. Yeah, so, so that, hence the idea of putting the name and charity out to a public vote. To, yeah, to, to yeah. But I, I think I think it's important involved. to explain the wines probably before we, okay, right, we, yeah, we yeah. get on to that. Okay. So in 2016, we helped har- helped harvest. That's a bit of a joke, isn't it? Um, we, we helped harvest <laughs> and press the grapes. Yeah. And then and then later we helped blend several base wines to make what would become, um, well, in our opinion, mm. an, an amazing Hampshire Blanc de Blanc traditional method sparkling wine. Mm. It's mm-hmm. partly aged, partly oak aged from a fantastic vintage, 2016, mm, yeah. uh, over four years on the lees and all overseen, thank goodness, by one of the country's top winemakers, uh, Emma Rice. Yeah, yeah. And so with that one, we made, I think, was it just under a thousand bottles? Yeah. Wasn't it? I mean, it sounds a lot to us, but actually, it's, uh, in the, you know, in, in the, the grand, grand wine scheme, it's, it's really it's not, small. not very much. Um, and, and that really should have been that. Shouldn't it? Mm, uh, but it it should. But it wasn't, you know, because in 2017, what happened when, when harvest time came around again, we got over overexcited, overheated again. We did, we did. And this time, this this time actually we'd been tasting. <laughs> <laughs> We've been tasting some really impressive wines based around Pinot Meunier yeah, uh, or yeah. Meunier as, as, it, as it can mm, be known, mm. which is a bit overlooked um, in Champagne compared yeah. to Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. But mm. in England, it just seems to kind of, Sing! It's so aromatic, it really so does. succulent. It's a point of difference here, I think. Yeah, it? but mm. but it's all but it's also the way it tastes. You know, it's very fresh and structured in your mouth. So, so anyway, we we wanted to make a wine to showcase the potential of Pinot Meunier in England, and it ended up being, I think, pretty. It's pretty much a, nearly a fifty-fifty blend of Chardonnay and Pinot Meunier, isn't yeah, yeah. it? I mean, I think I, mean, I think that blending process has been fascinating for us to really discover. Yeah. On we we know it. We've sort of been there before, but actually to do it when it's We've your never own had kind the responsibility of creation, exactly. <laughs> Um, thank you, as you say, thank heavens for Emma's guidance, but it, that's been a real eye-opener as well, yeah. hasn't it? So anyway, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's a really interesting blend, very different from... It's the different, it's um, different. It's a bit of oak in there again, um, and they're different vineyards, uh, aren't they? From Still Hampshire. Still Hampshire, absolutely, but different vineyards from the first sparkling wine. So, so and, and this one's going to be slightly less on the knees, but it's a slightly more succulent, Three rich on style. The and that's going to be the blend, isn't it? The blend. The blend, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and then 
What happened? It happened it all over again, didn't it? Again. Um, we, we, we couldn't resist the hat trick. Yeah, well... Is that fair to never, say? Never knowingly. In this football household. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think we kind of probably, it's fair to say we thought we'd hung up our winemaking spurs, and I use winemaking <laughs> in a very loose sense there. Definitely uh, in inverted commas. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2018 came along, didn't it? And, and 2018 was the vintage of the century in England. Uh, everyone got overexcited, not just us. Um but, you know, I think that also coincided with the fact we've been so impressed by the quality of English still wines in general. Yeah, um, of particularly late. Particularly yeah. in this context, the Pinot Noirs, the yeah. red Pinot Noirs. Um, and, and I think that is partly why Temptation got the better of us. Again. It did, I'm you know, afraid. Uh, and, we, and, and, and this also coincided with the fact we'd just been to, to visit the vineyards of Essex. Um, mm. which And Essex is really kind of a, a real new kid on the block in terms of the, the bigger modern English wine scene. Mm. Um, anyway, as part of that trip, we'd been to see the then unknown Danbury Ridge Wine Estate, mm. not far from Malden. Yeah, which is um, in sort of, if you, if you don't know Essex, between Chelmsford... And Malden, there's, there's there's two rivers that come in. Uh, there's the Blackwater Estuary to the north, and then the Crouch River to the south, and they're kind of between those two mm. water bodies, which do influence the terroir. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and it, I mean, we were we were just blown away by it all. Yeah, I mean, we? it was it was just stunning, and I, and it all sort of came together, and we thought. One last hurrah. Here we go. Let's showcase the potential, not just of English still wine, but but uh, English still red wine, you know, because if, if England can do that, we can do anything. Um, and that's when we decided to sort of beg, <laughs> go on, bended knee to, to beg Danbury Ridge's new winemaker, Liam, for a barrel of his finest Pinot Noir, um, which we then helped blend, didn't we? And, and, and I can't believe I, he said yes, actually. I, I still know, can't believe I know. it. And, but, and but he did. so um, exciting to, to, yeah. to, to, to showcase yeah, that Essex yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and, and that's it. That's it. Anyway, that's a, th- 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 those are the three wines. We're done. We're done. We're, we're done. done. But we have three amazing wines, all different, all delicious, if we do say so ourselves. Mm. Uh, two, as we've said, two Hampshire sparkling wines, one very fine Essex Pinot Noir um, to be launched later this year, 2021. Yeah. There are mm. only 250 bottles of the Pinot, it's which has yeah. already been labelled, oh. um, all ready they're, to go. They're very efficient at Danbury. They are indeed. Clearly. They are well indeed. Done, so that's all done. Very efficient. <laughs> But we do still, but we still need a Mm. name for the label of our sparkling wines, which we've got a bit more of. And we need a charity to support in all of this. So this yeah. is where you come in. Yeah, this is listeners. really, really important. This is this is the whole point of this episode. So please do send us your ideas and nominations. Um, the deadline is midnight on the 2nd of May, Sunday the 2nd of May. So that gives you about a week from when this episode is first released. 2nd of May 2021 is the deadline for nominations. Um, there are loads of ways to do this. The best way is probably to go to the show notes for this episode, which uh, will be in your app uh, or on our site susieandpeter.com forward slash podcast and that will link through to we've got a page on our website there's a big english wine adventure page and there is a form at the bottom of that page where you can really quickly and easily send us in your suggestions your nominations equally uh if you want to do it on social media we'll be putting uh, posts out associated to this episode uh, on instagram we're at susie and peter on twitter i'm wine schools and your susie barry uh Finally, if you'd rather, just email us at contact at susieandpeter.com and you could win a, a set of the wines 
and a copy of our Essential Guide to English Wine yeah. publication. Yeah, so, um, so if you've had any light bulbs going off uh, mm. or you have a charity that's particularly suitable or, or close to your heart, get in touch and you could win a full set of the wines if we end up choosing yeah, your yeah, yeah, yeah. nomination, of course. Um, equally, if you haven't been inspired, we have got a couple of names here, haven't we, that um, have already been suggested to date, um, which might help warm up your grey cells or give you a bit of inspiration. Uh, we just want one name which we can use for the Hampshire sparkling wines, as you've said. Um, and we, we both have a few kind of favourite so far is that fair yeah, enough I, mean, yeah, I think I mean, we're still still a work in progress yeah, but, but what we, would you, what we would you... Well, I mean we're thinking I, I was thinking very you know short names that are easy to pronounce mm. easy to put on a, on a bottle that are easy to refer to if you say you know I want a bottle of blah blah so yeah. you know that that those those thoughts are very much in our, our mind and um, mine uh, to date are the cure um which i know it, i'm not trying to sound trendy at all um oh, maybe that's not even trendy but uh, but it at least ties in i thought with the charity angle i also like mm. cocoon um which taps into mm. hattingley hattingley valley's uh, butterfly motif yes they have a butterfly motif yeah. which is important to mention actually. yeah which we're going to be which using we on the label use. we, we think might use we think label, yeah. Label, yeah um and then just simple ones like ps um, or SIP, S-I-P. Yeah, yeah, there's something to be done bit of on lots of different fronts, there. isn't there? Yeah. Um, I quite like... Um, You're a little bit different to me in well, your taste. Well, funny that. Yeah, I think, um, funny. Uh, I can't believe we've got different opinions I know, about this. Um, I quite liked Caritas, someone mm. suggested, which is, I think, I believe Latin for charity. Uh, someone suggested Gifan, which is Old English for to give, which I really, really liked as well. Albion was a nice suggestion. Um, Buttercross, I just love the sound of that. Buttercross is a famous landmark in Winchester, but I believe there are Buttercrosses all it around Sounds like something you have at Easter, though, doesn't it? No, well, no. Can, can, I'd like to have a buttercross next to Issa if, you can, if you're, if you're making um, <laughs> Mad Hatter was another one tying in with Hattingley Valley I suppose Remastered was a lovely suggestion tying in with our, us being masters of wine uh, Hope and Glory was another hope. lovely <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we can call it anything to do with hope anyway. well there's probably a lot of hope I'm not sure about anyway glory, get in touch yeah. uh, blow us away we'd love to hear from you we, we, we are really mm. looking for a really great name uh, even if you just want to pre-register though to, to buy some of the wines you can do that too we really would love for all the wines to sell out in record time uh, and raise lots of cash for Mm. charity. Anyway, to give you a taster of what you could be in for if you win, we we had to do this, um, or if you you want to get your name down to buy these wines, we recorded the moment we first opened a finished bottle of our Essex Pinot. Okay, so we are about to taste our own Pinot Noir, 2018 Red Pinot Noir. Made by Danbury Ridge, made by Liam, um, but it's it's the first time I'm going to taste it. Yeah, so Danbury Ridge, Pinot Noir, 2018, Susie Barry MW and Peter Richards MW single barrel selection. <laughs> We've never seen that on a label before. Here we go. <laughs> no Here we pressure. Go. No pressure. Just, just listen to this. I love this noise. Okay, it looks good. It looks good. It smells lovely. Smells. It does smell creamy. It smells, Cream, but also floral. Um, There's lovely red berry fruit. Bit of wood smoke. I mean, that's pinot. It's proper pinot. It's right lo- pinot. It's lovely. It's lovely. Wow, that packs a punch, doesn't it? Yeah. That is that is ripe. It's generous. It's I spicy. It's sort of sappy though, as well, isn't it? Oh, I yeah, like that. that. It's a lovely. Oh, I could drink a lot of that. Mixture of earthiness, mm. lovely pinot earthiness, but also. Wonderful wild berry fruit. Also, I, I think there's the sort of um, there's acidity and stuff there that that it's the kind of wine that will age and mm. get more complex. Mm. You know, um, great. How are we going to have the patience to age up? In fact, we're not going to even have any to it. This one's we? getting drunk. This one's going to get drunk, drunk, drunk immediately. 
So now you described Essex um, as was it a new kid on the block? Yeah, I mean, um, in terms of sort nice of nice pop reference there. Just, just, just to throw that in. <laughs> Another you know, one. We've, we've had the cure. Oh my goodness! Had, well, not sure the cure of pop. Anyway, sorry. What were you going to say? <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> anyway, uh, what I meant was in terms of sort of really exciting, modern, ambitious English winemaking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, because it's important to add that there have been vineyards there in have Essex, indeed. haven't there? For, there for have quite for some time, long haven't there? Time, uh, in the modern era, definitely since yeah. the sixties. And some good stuff um, there. And yeah. some good stuff, you know. And and also East Anglia is known as the warmest, driest part of the UK isn't it and there's some very serious farming that goes on there yeah. you know probably in, in recognition of that fact but is it fair to say that until now it's just sort of never quite reached the level of wine making recognition of say um Kent and, and Sussex is that is that fair I, th- I, th- I think so really yes yes I think you'd yeah, have to say okay. that I mean a lot of the fruit in the past has been sold off to other producers so so mm, we, we've probably yeah, all yeah. all drunk Essex wine just without knowing it. Yeah, it's um, part of a blend or even a, presumably somewhat. Some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, but anyway, but uh, but I guess it's Pure needed. What, it, what it's needed is a really ambitious, quality-focused producer to put it on the map yeah. um, or mm. more than one, you know, say. Yeah. But Danbury Ridge certainly seems to be that. Mm. Um, it was established by financier Mike Bunker and his family. It's it's a great vineyard site. Mm. No mm. expense has been spared. And the, the first vintage bottled under the brand was 2018. Now, the plan is to focus on on, on both still and sparkling wines from Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, winemaker Liam Ijikowski is mm. a former jockey and, and racehorse owner who went <laughs> and did wine vintages around the world before working in English wineries and then joining Danbury Ridge. Um, so I asked him why he wanted to work with Mike and the family making wine in Essex. So yeah, no, it's, it's all the quality of the fruit from, from and around the Crouch Valley and you know, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay was was originally planted for sparkling wines, but we were getting to ripeness levels um, well before the end of September for sparkling, and this was without even trying. So we weren't, you know, doing you know crop thinning. The canopy management was um, kind of more managed towards sparkling. Um, yeah, there was 2016. We made made some Pinot and Chardonnay did really well, and and this gave um, Mike Bunker, the owner of Danbury, and his family just that confidence that you know they could do something special. So um, yeah, kind of escalated from there. Um, Mike doesn't do anything in half me- measures. Um, he sort of said, right, well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll build a winery. Um, you, you know, completely quality focused. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to make some of the best pinots and chardonnays um, sort of in so, the world. So, so by this point, you're you're at Danbury Ridge. You've been employed by Mike, and actually, Peter and I first visited Danbury Ridge back in early 2018. Uh, we were doing our little mini wine tour of Essex, and then of course there was the incredible hot 2018 vintage, um, and that meant that we uh, ourselves couldn't resist um, the opportunity to collaborate with you uh, to make an English red a Pinot Noir from this kind of new winemaking frontier, the Essex, the Crouch Valley. H- how would you summarise um, the potential of Essex and particularly the Crouch, Crouch Estuary for fine wine? Well, yeah, yeah, it's one of these ones where, same again, at, at the start of this project, it was like, right, for, for fine still wine, uh, you know, how often can we do this out of five years? You know, can we make really good Pinots and Chardonnays two out of five years, three out of five years? You know, it, 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 it's a question that, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to ask. I thought maybe we were doing this 10 years too early, 
Um, but you know, we we were able to get to these ripeness levels in 2018, 2019 was same again. We were able to get pinots at some very good ripeness levels. In 2020 the pinots, chardonnays were, were out the roof as far as ripeness levels concerned, and the, the flavors are there as well. There's this, this long growing season um, that we seem to be getting. Um, Do you think that's particular to Essex? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I think that you've got some of the best sites in Kent that can, can can do it as well. But what we've got in Essex is a lot lower rainfall. And we seem to have just kind of edged over that, you know, sort of just, you know, that balance of, of, of getting to that rightness and then pushing it further. Um, and touch wood, there's, there's rot hasn't been really an issue. Um, we seem to be able to hang the fruit out longer. And, um, you know, you listen to winemakers on podcasts about winemaking in Oregon, and we've nearly got it easier here over the last few years than, than they quite often have in, in Oregon, where the, the rains can come down heavy and early. Um, and, and um, yeah, the, 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 the ripeness levels they're getting might not even be quite as, quite as high as here. There's... So, so going back to this, um, this wine that we couldn't resist making with you, um, we've obviously made just one barrel of Pinot Noir from, from 2018, um, which was, as we've talked, amazing vintage. Uh, we selected and we blended with you the, the wine. What's your take on it? How did we do? I mean, the, you know, what you guys did, it was brave. It was, you know, there's, we, we ended up, um, yeah, sort of looking at the wines. There's, what, what you've got is 18 months in new Francis Ferrer, you know, sort of this medium long, it, it was extra fine, 36 month season oak. I mean, it was, you know, top class oak. It's, it's, it's like, you know, sort of what the main Romani Conti use. It's, you know, it's quite punchy, you know, it's not, um, you know, there's not a, it, it, yeah. No it corners is, cut. No corners cut. Quite a traditional um, uh, sort of flavours and, 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 and outlook. And I mean, tasting it from barrel always tasted amazing. It went into bottle and it was like, right, this, you know, you tasted it and it's got the structure, it's got the grip, it's got the finesse. Um, but you know, I was always looking at it, sort of thinking, right, when's this going to come together? Is it going to come together? And it still feels like it's a baby. Like, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought. This I haven't really talked to you about sort of since tasting it. But I mean, the, the potential on it is, is amazing. This is this is what we were we were amazed with the the structure of the wines, the the the, the weight, but in a in a Pinot style weight. You know, it's not it's not too much. But for England to get that kind of uh, color and and flavor and and to be able to take that much oak you know have enough structure for that for that much oak and uh, we were really amazed and I totally agree you know I mean that that wine has not reached its its peak by any means you know it, it's going to go on for a long long time um if we if we can resist drinking it <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the problem you're always sort of tempted to uh yeah crack a crack a bottle open to see just where it's yeah where it's developed and um yeah where it's going but i mean it's at the stage now where you, you, you know, you're, you're happy to open it and, and you've got some amazing flavours and it's integrating. Just, just uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of Pinot Noir, what for you makes a great Pinot Noir? Um, well, well, yeah, I mean, Pinot's such a complex grape and, and, and the wines um, are, so, are so varied. I think it's it's very different to like sort of Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, you know what a Cabernet Sauvignon should taste like. It's, you know, I mean, as far as you know, people judging and scoring calves, it must be so easy that they're a very um, straightforward, um, not, not straightforward wine, but 
um, you can kind of like tick all the boxes. Pinot is a bit more different, and and there's um, you know quite a, a, an array. Um, for me, I mean, the first thing that it needs to be it needs to be silky. It can't be clunky. It needs to have acid. It needs to have a vibrancy about it. Um, but it needs layers of, of, of fruit, and it needs the tertiary aromas as well. It, it, it you know, so the unoaked pinots for me won't ever um, have the complexity that, that the that the oak brings. Yeah, but but yeah, it needs to be they need to be fresh. They need to be the tertiary. They need vibrancy. Really, is is what um, yeah, is, is, is the way I sort of see yeah see pinots. Anyway, Liam, thank you so much. It's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you. All right, Susie. Right, thank you. So, so Essex is an easier place to grow Pinot Noir than Oregon now. According to Liam. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. That's mm. exactly what he said. But yeah. um, it was a really interesting notion. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Liam has some good, you know, he, he knows A lot of Pinot, experience, he? you know? yeah, he's been around and, the world. And what I picked up on, you know, he really thinks our wine will age. Yeah, and, um, and this is a man who knows his Pinot too. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I asked him for his lockdown wines and he mentioned uh, Rousseau yeah, yeah, and yeah, Dujac's yeah, Grand Cru. So, you know... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he's aiming high with Pinot. And also when he when we when we talked to him at the estate in Essex back in 2019, he compared where the UK is now to New Zealand and Australia in the 1980s. Mm. Okay, so Essex is the next big thing in English wine, uh, and we're very lucky to have a tiny amount of, of world-class Essex Pinot Noir, courtesy of Danbury Ridge and Liam uh, in our big English wine up wine up. I like that even better. Big English big wine up. Is that when, that when it all fails? Wine up. Let's um, wind up the big but, English. Uh, but yeah, exactly. We've also got two sparkling wines from Hampshire, which is what I was coming on to beautiful, as part of the beautiful wine sparkling up. wines um, from Hampshire. You know, again, maybe maybe not as well known as Kent and Sussex, but but Hampshire is famous for its chalk downs, uh, among other things, of course. Um, and it's certainly an up and coming force in English wine. Now, I spoke to Hattingley Valley's head winemaker Emma Rice, who has, of course, been on the show before, hasn't she? I yep. think it was um, yeah, series yeah. one, episode twenty nine. Yeah, check it uh, out. She talks about Krug nineteen seventy nine. She does. I think in double magnum or very well, it? among many other things. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I asked Emma how exciting English sparkling wine is right now. Well, I, I'm very, still very excited to be involved in the industry 10, 12 years on. Um, it's, it's, one of the, it's a growing industry. It could be considered one of the final frontiers of winemaking. Um, and it's, it's not just the growth in production, but it's the growth in sales and awareness around the world with consumers as well. Mm. And what about quality? I think the quality is going from strength to strength as the winemakers become more experienced, um, as we learn from our mistakes. And, you know, it is a steep learning curve. And I don't think a winemaker in, in the country would uh, would say they haven't made a few mistakes along the way. But, yeah, the quality is growing, not just from the quality of the grapes, but from the quality of the winemaking. So, Emma, um, you, you see fruit from all over because uh, you, you make wine for other people as well as for yourself. Where and how does Hampshire fit into the bigger sparkling wine picture, given that both of the wines that we've made with you uh, are from Hampshire fruit? I would say at the moment, Hampshire is very much um, focused on quality, very high quality sparkling wine. Um, we, we make some still wines here, which is a new departure, but the fruit for those comes from the, the eastern counties, uh, Kent and Essex. And I haven't yet seen fruit coming in from a Hampshire vineyard that I would consider to be ripe enough to make uh, good quality still wine. 
but the sparkling wines, particularly those on the chalk vineyards here in Hampshire, are exceptional in terms of quality. And what does Hampshire give you? Is it too early to say, but you say chalk sauce. What does that give you in terms of what you're tasting in the fruit and also the wines? I'd say a lot of the Hampshire fruit we get um, the tasting as juice and as young wines. And when we're doing the blending, which we are at the moment, a depth of flavour. We have this incredibly long growing season. So the Hampshire fruit is the last to come in here at, in, at Hattingley. So we're getting the, the, the Kent fruit in in September. Most of the Hampshire fruit will arrive at the end of October. So you've got another five to six weeks of time for those grapes to grow and to develop their flavour, even maintain while still maintaining that high acidity and relatively low sugar level. I think that's the key element, is the long, slightly longer growing season. In both of our wines, we've used some uh, oak-aged components, oak-aged juice. Um, now, this can be quite a controversial technique, especially when it comes to sparkling wines, can't it? Um, some purists don't like it. We love it. Um, and you use it. Um, what's your take on the use of oak generally in terms of, of, of fizz? Well, I will confess, when I first started here back in 2010, I, I told Simon, the owner, that I, we had to get some barrels. Um, he had no idea that that wasn't particularly common in sparkling wine or in a generally accepted practice. But I had been working in California for a few years and fell in love with using barrels and old, older barrels and just the flavours that we would get from not the flavours as such, but the textures as well from the older barrels. So I, I managed to persuade him to, it wasn't very difficult at the time, I have to say, um, to buy some barrels. And uh, we, then it became a sort of a signature part of what we do. Uh, so it's all nearly all old oak, very few new barrels come into the winery. Um, so we, we were looking for a texture and a small oxidative fermentations with a very high surface to volume lease ratio. So the wine in contact with the dead yeast cells at the bottom of the barrel gives us a richness and a, a, and a depth of flavour that I don't think you get purely from stainless steel ferment. But you do have to be very careful how much oak you use in a sparkling blend. Because if you go overboard, when you add a bubble to the wine, um, it exaggerates any flavours that you have. So this is why you want to generally start with a fairly neutral base wine going into bottle, because the bubble and the ageing process will exaggerate any, any flavours in the wine. So got to be very careful a judicious use of oak i think is uh, what is required for sparkling judicious indeed I'm, I'm so glad we've been working with an expert like you on all of this this is well beyond susie and my pay grade but um to move on you know when we made our second sparkling wine we got very very excited about the potential of of pinot meunier or, or the meunier grape variety in the uk what's your take uh, on on meunier as a variety in the uk well don't try it in essex it doesn't work kent you get some reasonable Merniers, but um, but it's not the it's not the forte of the eastern counties, shall we say? Uh, I the, the by far the very best Pinot Mernier wines that we get in the winery are from Hampshire, and they are grown on chalk. And it doesn't on paper it shouldn't work, but it does. And then actually the very very best Merniers that we see are generally those that we've put to barrel as well. So a combination of those things gives us this wonderful combination of flavours that come from the Mernier you don't get from the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir. Our, our sparkling wines with you came from the 2016 and 2017 vintages. Um, how, how would you characterise those vintages and, and uh, briefly and, and any sort of recollections you have uh, from those years apart from us of course getting in the way when it came to uh, harvesting and, and blending? 
Well, both of those vintages are indelibly uh, marked in my brain as uh, two of the biggest, hardest frost years we've ever had. So frost coming in April 2016, it was the 27th of April and 2017, it was the 26th of April. Temperatures got down to minus six for a very concentrated period of time, like six, seven hours, which is very unusual. So those vintages were set back by that in terms of yield. So that we had much smaller yields, which in turn led to a small crop, which we had subsequently the vintage, both of those vintages were quite warm um, and quite benign after the frost had hit. Um, and so the, the grapes, the vines were only trying to ripen a relatively small crop because of what had happened early in the season. Therefore, the fruit was actually pretty nice and ripe by the time we got to it because the vines didn't have much to, energy to expend on them. And 16 was probably harder than 17. 17 is turning out to be one of those vintages, which is going to be a bit of a, a, a nice surprise, I think. We didn't have high hopes for it, um, but it's actually some of the wines coming from this that we're looking at now from the 17 vintage are are really, um, they're what you might call a sleeper vintage. They didn't, they didn't it wasn't upfront and obviously um, a fantastic year, but in the bottle, these wines are starting to develop some wonderful flavours. So, yeah, it's all very excited about them. That sounds brilliant. So 20, 2016, maybe more intensity to, to, to the wines than 2017, or is it not that easy to summarise? Well, just to give you an example, what we did in 2016, you know, normally when we're making a, a range of wines here, we'll we'll pull out the best, a, se- a selection of the best Chardonnays to make a Blanc de Blanc, which we did for you. We're doing it on a relatively small scale. That was fine. But if I'd done that for the, the in the wider winery, I would have taken the heart of the Chardonnay out of the winery in order to make that wine. Therefore, I would have compromised my classic blend. And similarly, if I'd done that for a rosé and taken the best Noir and Mernier out of the winery to make a rosé, I wouldn't have had anything left to make a classic. So I, we made a very hard decision that year. We only made one wine in 2016 for, for us. That's a reflection of the frost and of the uh, limitations that that then imposed on us in terms of uh, volumes to work with in the winery. Um, but the quality was great. It's just the volumes were much smaller. So our 2016 wine, which is a Blanc de Blanc, is the only Blanc de Blanc you made that year. It is, I think. Yes, you're probably right. Now, now we feel really bad that we've stolen that fruit from you, but it's going to a good cause. Um, Emma Rice, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. I hadn't actually realised that Hattingley only made their classic fizz in 2016. I, I feel slightly guilty now for stealing their prime Chardonnay. Did you know that? I know. Did we know that? I, I really, didn't did. Not really. So no. we've only just known that. And um, yes, I, I understand. It does but make it quite special, doesn't it? I, well, there you go. The, we have a really special wine. <laughs> it's a proper collector's item. Yeah. You know, they didn't make any other wines in 2016 we've got their one you know anyway yeah. um but they did more importantly they did get to make all their wines in 2017 yeah again, yeah yeah which, so we feel better about that absolutely um <laughs> uh, interesting also what she said about hampshire's forte being sparkling wine off chalky vineyards isn't she and, yes. and, and the intensity and the kind of depth of flavor that that gives yeah, yeah i thought yeah, it was a really interesting yeah. interesting point from her anyway so yeah. our big english wine adventure is as we've said all about three unique wines. Uh, We've heard from the real winemakers. Um, Mm. Now what we need to do is raise some serious money for a good cause uh, when we come to sell these wines later in the year. Yeah, yeah. So please, please do join in. Uh, Send us your nominations and you could win. 
these amazing wines um, and a copy of our essential guide to English wine. Um, the deadline for entries, as I've said, is midnight on Sunday, the 2nd of May, 2021. Over 18s only, please. And, and also, please do register your interest, uh, you know, to secure your allocation, as it were. Sounds very grand, doesn't it? <laughs> well, allocation of uh, our wines. You know, uh, these wines are going to be in, in, in a lot of demand and there is only well, we hope very, so. very few of them. Uh, we'll <laughs> put links uh, in the show notes on your app and also on our website, which is susieandpeter.com forward slash podcast or do get in touch via email or social media or, or whatever. We'd yeah. love to hear from anyway. you. Anyway, well, thank you for listening uh, and thank you in advance for your support on this. Uh, thanks also to Emma and Liam, mm. obviously, to Hattingley Valley and Danbury Ridge and everyone, everyone who's helping out with our big English wine adventure. There'll be more on this in due course, of course, but for now, stay safe, keep your glass topped up and cheers. <laughs>